welcome back to this episode of Crime Obsessed Sisters. I'm Denise. And I'm Brianna. We're so excited to finally be doing another episode. So we've decided we want to do a giveaway for you guys just to show you how much we appreciate you listening to us. It's just going to be something small. We haven't really... But good. Yeah, there'll be a few different things in the box, not just one thing. There'll be a few different ways that you can enter this giveaway. Like us on Facebook. We have a Facebook page. It's just Crime Obsessed Sisters. Share our Facebook page. That'll be another way you can get an entry and leave a comment on our podcast page. That'll be another entry and definitely subscribe to the podcast. So now we're going to go ahead and get into today's case. Denise was supposed to do this one today, but she'll definitely be doing the next one. Yes. But I just really wanted to do this case. This is a case that will make you mad. If just one little thing would have been different, then the outcome of this could have been completely different. It's crazy. It's the case of Angela Hammond. Now, Angela was born on February 9th, 1971. Her parents' names were Marsha and Chris Hammond. She was born in Kansas City, Missouri. She lived there until she was four, and then they moved to Clinton, Missouri. And that's where Marsha's parents lived, so it would have been Angela's grandparents. And their names were Lloyd and Elizabeth Young. They just wanted to be closer to their family, so they moved there. It was a small town. I think it was around 8,000 people, so it's not very big. Also, while they lived there, her parents had a little boy, so she has a brother named Warren. So, when Angela was a little bit older, her parents got a divorce, and her mother moved 30 minutes away to a farm in Montrose, Missouri. And Angela and her brother stayed in Clinton with her dad. In November of 1990, she was at a high school football game. She was 19 at the time. She had graduated high school in 1989, but that was just a place where the whole town liked to go and hang out on Friday nights. You know, small town, not much to do, so that's where people gather. At this game, she met a high school senior who was the star football player. His name was Rob Schaefer. They fell in love almost instantly. People said they just had a connection instantly. She just really was in love with this guy. So, in January of 1991, she became pregnant. Rob was really excited about this. He proposed to her. So, soon after he proposed, they moved in together. So, at this time, she was 20. He was 19. She was working at the Union State Bank as a night processor while she was going to school at Central Missouri University during the day. Rob had plans of going to the military that summer. On April 4th of 1991, Angela's mom was hosting a family barbecue at her house. Angela and Rob attended the barbecue. Angela and Rob had to leave the barbecue at 9 p.m. because Rob had plans to babysit his little brother Justin at 10 p.m., and Angela had plans to go out with her friend Kyla Ingeman. They were just going to go hang out in town for a while, you know, drive around, listen to music, that kind of thing. She told Rob that they could possibly meet up with him in town later when he was finished babysitting and that she would call him later so they could make plans. So she dropped him off at his parents' house, and he went to watch Justin, and she left to go meet up with Kyla. Her and Kyla just drove around for a couple hours. They were listening to music, talking, you know, I think we've all done that. There's nothing to do. You just go (laughs) drive around. Yeah. At 11.15 p.m., they decided that it was time to go home. They were, you know, finished. She was tired. She just wanted to go home. So her and Kyla went their separate ways. And Angela stopped at a payphone to call Rob because this was, you know, back before everybody had cell phones. And they had no home phones, so she had to call him to let him know know, she was okay and she, she decided to go home. She went to the closest payphone. This was on the corner of 210 South 
2nd Street in the parking lot of a food barn. It's a grocery store. On the phone, she told Rob that she was just going to go home and take a bath. You know, she was four months pregnant at this time. She was just tired and wanted to go home. They talked on the phone for about 30 minutes. It's a long time to be on a payphone. <laughs> it is. I thought so. Rob says that they just had like a normal conversation. They were just talking about normal things when Angela mentioned a green Ford F-150 truck that was an older model and had circled around the street over and over. So she had noticed this truck quite a few times just circling around. Hmm. And this, I guess, freaked her out a little bit because it's late at night, right. you know, dark. She said she did recognize the truck or the driver, which in a small town, usually you know people. Right. You know, so it's an odd vehicle to her. She then told Rob that the truck pulled up close to the phone booth. And she described the man to Rob as being dirty and bearded. Eventually, he got out of the truck and went to the phone booth next to hers. But he was only there for a few seconds and went back to his truck. So when he went back to his truck, he got out a flashlight. And she said it looked like he was searching for something in his truck. Rob thought maybe the other phone wasn't working. And he was waiting for her to get off the phone so he could make a call. Well, that wouldn't make sense. Right. So he actually told Angela to ask the man if he needed to use the phone. So she asked the man and he said to her, no, I'll try again in a minute. They didn't think much of it, which that's just odd. I'll try right. again in a minute. But they didn't think much of it at the time. But I guess she would think maybe he just, whoever he's calling didn't answer or yes, can't get through. something like that. So that is a thing with a lot of these cases. You have to think about the time period right. too. Because some things that would seem odd today weren't Would odd. not be odd then. Right. Yeah. But after he said that, they just went back to their conversation. They talked a couple more minutes, and then Rob heard Angela scream. Oh. When he heard this scream, so when he heard her scream, Rob left his home. He didn't even hang up his phone. He just dropped the phone. He ran out into his vehicle. And he went to go see if he could find her and figure out what was going on. Rob's mother, which is where he was babysitting his little brother, she lived about seven blocks away from the store, so not too far. But he headed that way as fast as he could. On the way there to the store to see if he could find Angela, he saw a truck coming at him in the other lane. So driving towards him in the opposite lane. Then he heard someone scream his name out of the truck. And he realized that that was Angela. He said he saw her struggling with the driver of the truck. When he saw her and realized it was her, he slammed his vehicle into reverse and made a quick U-turn and followed that truck out of town for about two miles. Wow. So Rob actually caught up to this other truck. He was right on their tail. He was so close to them when they suddenly took a right turn and his car stalled. When he put the car in reverse really quick like that, <clears throat> it had actually made the transmission go out. Oh. So it, he drove about two miles before the car completely went out and the truck got away. I mean, he just seen the headlights go and he lost the truck. So if the transmission wouldn't have given out in his vehicle, he probably could have kept. He could have maybe saved her, being that close to her. No, that and would then be losing awful. her. Yeah, um, Rob had to walk back to the police station, which that put more time between. Of course, you know the vehicle and stuff. Someone saw him walking and offered him a ride, so that helped Help. a little bit. But he accepted the ride and got to the police station at about twelve ten a.m. He told the police the entire story. He gave them a description of the man. He said that the man had a beard. He said he was wearing overalls and a dark colored baseball hat. And he had a mustache and was wearing glasses. So they had an artist make a sketch based on his description, as you know they normally do. But the sketch actually didn't look like the description that Rob had gave. So he was really confused about that. But the police put it out anyways. They put it 
on, you know, the posters. And why would they do that? That's, I'm not really sure. It doesn't make sense to me either, but sometimes the police do weird things in cases. Well, that is true. <laughs> <laughs> so, he also described the truck. He described it as being a 60s or 70s model, green with a white top. He said there was damage to the left side front fender. And he said on the back glass, there was a mural of a fish jumping out of water. So one of those murals that mm. cover the whole right. glass. At first, the police were very, very skeptical of Rob. They didn't believe him. They said that there was too much detail and stuff in his story. And they thought that maybe he had done something to Angela and he was making the story up to cover it up. I'm not convinced yet of that. Police go and find his car where he said that it stalled out. And they go to the store and find Angela's car and her purse still at the store parking lot. He became the prime suspect in the investigation for the first week. He was finally cleared after two witnesses came forward saying that they had seen a truck matching that description in the area on the night Angela went missing, and he passed a polygraph test. And I think it is important to say that Angela's mother never believed that he had anything to do with oh, it. Yeah. A search began. Missing person flyers <laughs> were put all over town in stores. They handed them out. You know, they, they just put them everywhere they could. And they had 250 people looking for Angela on foot. They also had an air and ground search. They looked in creek beds. They looked in water wells, abandoned buildings, old country roads, barns, fields, places. They looked in all these places and there was no trace, no evidence, anything found. Get into another person that police looked into. There had been a rumor that Angela's baby was actually an ex-boyfriend named Bill Barker. He was 17 at the time, so he was questioned. He denied anything to do with her pregnancy or disappearance. 11 days after her disappearance, police started to focus on the truck. They ran a search for vehicles registered in Missouri matching the description that Rob had given of the truck, and they found 1,600 possible results. Later, Rob left to go to the military. Angela's family felt like nothing was being done to help find her. They, you know, weren't really happy with the efforts being put into finding her. So the Clinton Police Department finally decided to contact the Missouri Royal Crime Scene Squad for help. <clears throat> 25 officers from 15 counties came together to solve the case. On January 19th, four months earlier, a 42-year-old woman had disappeared 80 miles away in Max Creek, Missouri. Her name was Trudy Darby. Trudy was working night shift at a grocery store when around 10 p.m. she noticed three men hanging out outside. This creeped her out a little, so she called her son and asked him to come over there. He was only about 10 minutes away from the store. So when he got there, it was completely empty. No one inside, no one outside. Two days later, her body was found in a river, and she had been shot twice in the head with a 38 caliber rifle. And then, one month later, February 27th, 70 miles away from where they had found Trudy's body... Another woman went missing while working at a convenience store. Her name was Cheryl Kenny. At 10 p.m., she started to shut down the store and let the janitor go home. She left the store at 10.17 p.m., and she was never seen again. So this was happening all around the same time in Missouri. So two months after Cheryl went missing is when Angela went missing. So it's all around the same time period. You know, pretty close, 80 miles, 70 miles. Right. That's not that far away. So, the police believe that these cases may have been connected in some way. Sounds like it. Right. <laughs> um, police also thought that it could have been a serial killer named Kenneth McDuff. Have you ever heard of him? No. Okay. He had killed multiple people before hiding out in Kansas City, Missouri, which is not far away right. from where these women went missing. 
and he also resembled the police sketched. Not Which necessarily, was not <laughs> right? Not necessarily what Rob had said, but the police sketch. In October of the same year, police received a tip: a man visiting his family in Colorado saw a missing persons flyer of Angela. And it made him think of a time in September that he had saw a woman getting into a pickup truck that matched the description of the truck that kidnapped Angela. And the woman looked like her. And this was in Canada. So the Clinton police contacted the local police in that area. And they thought that if she was alive that she would have had her baby by now. So that led them to check local hospitals and baby stores, but that turned up nothing. One year later, three more girls go missing. Their names are Cheryl Levitt, Suzanne Streeter, and Stacy McCall, and these women are known as the Springfield Three. So three years later, in 1994, two brothers were arrested for Trudy Darby's murder. Their names were Jesse Rush and Marvin Cheney. Jesse had bragged to friends, and they turned him in, is how they got caught. Okay. He confessed that him and his brother and another person that he didn't name mm -hmm. killed Trudy. The police thought that maybe they were involved with the other missing girls from the area. In prison, he wrote letters to another inmate that he thought was a lawyer. He wrote these letters to this man because he thought this man could help him. So I'm not going to read these letters because these letters are very graphic. There's a lot of cursing. There's a lot of descriptions of what happened to Trudy. But there's a few lines in it that make Lise think they were involved in it. So one of the lines is, The only smart thing we did was have Marshall's brother Greg burn the barn. Otherwise, the Ilmefer would have a lot more on us. I'm glad they didn't know everything else or I'd be on death row. So there's definitely some more that we don't know about right. that he did. There's also another letter that he specifically says that him and his brother killed other women, but it's really extremely graphic, so I don't want to read it on here. If you want to find these letters, you can find them online. Right. Both him and his brother were sentenced to life in prison without parole. In 2017, Marvin died in prison at age 56, and his cause of death says natural cause. They both have been ruled out as suspects in Angela and Cheryl's cases, but there's no information to the public as to why they were ruled out. The only other update really is that in 2009, police said that there was new DNA evidence, but they didn't release what it was, and nothing has ever came from it. I wonder why. I mean, why are they not putting it out there? Right. I mean, maybe they haven't completely tested it yet, but that's almost 10 years ago. Right. You know, so I don't know if maybe it led nowhere and they just haven't, you know, released anything. So that's basically all the information on this case. Cases like this leave me wondering more. Yeah, like you, you just Why are want they to not putting more. it out there? Why are they not right. uh, getting the public's help with it? Why? Yeah. You know, just why? And then like the police sketch not matching Rob's description yeah, like, is odd to me. Yeah. There's just some odd things about this case. I mean, maybe it was the serial killer. Maybe it was these brothers. I so lean more towards thinking maybe the brothers had something to do with it because of those statements in the letters. Right. Okay, don't forget about our giveaway. And be sure to check out our Facebook page. We'll be putting the age progression photo and some other information on this case on our Facebook page. If you guys are interested, we can do a podcast on any of the other victims we have mentioned in this podcast. If you would like to hear any of those cases, just let us know either on our Facebook page or our email. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you.